Hi, welcome to the Parenting Reframe Podcast. I am Elbiona Rakipi, your host. I'm a former teacher, a parent, currently a pediatric speech and language pathologist, and I'm a writer. I've worked with thousands of children and families throughout the last 20 years, and I have learned so much. On this podcast, we'll approach parenting from a curious place. We'll ask questions and get answers, explore new ideas, unpack the unconscious beliefs and expectations we hold on to about parenting, and reframe what it means to parent. We'll search for solutions to some of our biggest parenting challenges, set aside judgments, and find our way through this wild journey. My hope is that this podcast is a space where parents can feel seen, heard, and supported. Welcome aboard, and let's reframe together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very cool episode of the Parenting Reframe podcast. I am joined today by Emily Kay. Emily is here, and we're going to talk about motherhood. We're going to talk about balancing creative endeavors and what that means for moms in this modern world. So before I go on and on, Emily, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm excited. So before we dive into the good stuff, not that this isn't good, but I want the audience to just know a little bit more about you. Like, who are you? I know we're both local Detroit moms, but tell me a little bit more about your journey and what you're currently doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, everyone. It's such a great honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Emily. I am a marketing professional and I'm a writer and I'm a blogger. I kind of wear a lot of different hats. Um, My journey started, I would say, in Chicago. I got my undergraduate from Michigan State University, then moved to Chicago to get my master's degree in public relations and advertising um, and while I got my degree there, I was working full-time in marketing, graduated, ended up getting a role at um, an advertising agency there where I was the first ever community manager. I actually had, when I was interviewing for the role, I had to look up what that meant because at the time, <laughs> like Instagram wasn't even a thing for brands and it was just a, such a different landscape with social media. Um, and so in a lot of ways, I was kind of paving the way with social and content creation and digital marketing, which is a very cool um, role and place to be. Um, And I worked there for about five years. I worked on different clients. One of our major clients was McDonald's. Hmm. And so I headed up a lot of the content creation for the brand and eventually was recruited by the McDonald's digital team to go brand side. So I went on the client side and then managed all the agencies and content creation for them which was such a cool role, honestly, like being on commercial shoots and different, just creative shoots and productions was awesome. Got to meet like celebrities and, you know, it was like the quintessential, really, really cool job. Yeah. Um, and learned so much from that. Um, we ended up being in Chicago, my family and I, for about 10 years. My husband and I got engaged and then married, and then we had our first two babies there. Um, loved being in the city, but it was a lot to juggle family and working full time and just trying to live a family life in the city we found was just a lot of, there were a lot of just contextual hurdles around it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you'd have to drive along the block for a half hour to find a parking spot with a screamy baby in the car and just, (laughs) you know, things like that, that is the reality of a city life. Um, So we ended up, um, our families are from Metro Detroit. And so my husband and I and our two girls at the time moved back to Detroit. And then we've been here for about five years. And now we have three kids. I have my two girls and I have a boy. They're eight, six, and three. And then we actually have another on the way. It's our fourth and final baby. So we're going to (laughs) have 
uh, <laughs> our hands full at home, yeah. and, but hearts will be full too. So um, a lot of juggling. But since I moved back to Detroit, I kind of dove into entrepreneurship. My husband and I have an interesting journey in that when we were in Chicago, I was working full time. I was the primary breadwinner. Um, he was in entrepreneurship. He started a company of his own, did really well with that. Um, and then when we came to Detroit, we kind of flipped. Um, so I had an itch to go into entrepreneurship. He really was diving into consulting and kind of the more professional world outside of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of reversed our roles. So mm -hmm. I became the entrepreneur. He kind of became like the more the stability of our income. Yes. And so um, I've been an entrepreneur now for about five years. And so what I do with entrepreneurship is I kind of wear a lot of different hats with it. I have my blog, which is called Isn't That Charming. Um, there I do a lot of lifestyle content. And I also, under that umbrella of Isn't That Charming, I also do creative consulting where I do content creation and digital marketing for different brands. And I've worked with um, a lot of clients just on a freelance basis or project basis, which is wonderful because the tandem of the two means that I can juggle a family and just kind of like wear a lot of different hats. And then in addition to that, I'm also um, writing my first book. So I started my first novel um, about a year ago. We were talking earlier before we started recording that I, um, it's funny, I thought I would start this book process and it would take me like three months to write and I would have it done and then have it all buttoned up. And now it's like a year later and I'm still very much in the thick of it and learning throughout it all. So, you know, kind of juggling a lot, but having fun along the way and also trying to be the best mom for my family. Yeah, that's amazing, right? So many cool things though. And I think before we started recording, I was talking to you about the reason I'm bringing on like women like you and previous episodes have had like um, Stephanie Steinberg from the Detroit Writing Room and Elizabeth yeah. Lewis from Detroit Moms is I really want to help moms kind of see that you can give yourself permission to pursue these different endeavors or if it's a creative pursuit, whatever it is, like you can be more than just the role of mother. And it's not that that isn't a beautiful role and I'm sure you love it. I can just tell from following you for a minute that you are an exquisite mom. You would spend a lot of time with your kids. You do all these wonderful things, but then you're very much able to have these creative outlets too, which I think is so important and we don't, I talk to so many mothers when I'm coaching who are really like riddled with self guilt and just blame and they just anytime they'd want to do something they feel bad about doing it so then they're not even enjoying it while it's happening and so I wanted to really highlight stories like yours where we can strike that balance we can give ourselves permission to do those things so kind of in that vein of like how do we kind of move into these spaces what has been challenging in terms of being a mom of three young kids now almost four which is so exciting yes. congratulations thank you thank you so much um, God, everything's been challenging. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, I mean, I think that, I think there's always, in life, there's always adjustments, right? Like when I was a full-time working mom, there was the adjustment of wearing the hat of being like going to work and being all in as a pro working professional and then going home and trying to spend my time as a mom and trying to be the best mom possible despite working full time. And, you know, I think there is a great balance where you can strike both. Um, equally, there's been a lot of challenges with going to entrepreneurship and, you know, really trying to juggle like my personal time and trying to be all that I can for my children, but also like 
feeling the guilt mm-hmm. that comes with, well, I'm not bringing in as much income and therefore should I not be spending as much time on some of these other endeavors? And there's always kind of just an adjustment of expectations and perceptions that I have to keep myself in check with, which is, you know, I, like sometimes this strive for perfection, I think gets in our way. Mm-hmm. Like you could always be doing more and whatever realm you're you're referring to, whether it be motherhood or career or entrepreneurship or whatever it is. And I think for me, it's been the adjustment of expectations of like, today, this is good enough. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, my kids are at summer camp. I don't feel guilty about that. They are happy. They are healthy. They're having fun. I get three hours in the morning to do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. And then when I pick them up, I, you know, I got to, I got to, swipe the the expectation for doing a lot for my career while I'm with them because it's impossible to do it all. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like the adjustment even on a daily basis, on an hourly basis of like where are your efforts focused and how can you best just like be in the moment and know that like your efforts, even if you're not getting paid through just the work of mothership, Mm -hmm. it's still very meaningful and it's you're still making a difference. And I think that for me has been like the biggest challenges going from like being a large income driver to then entrepreneurship where I'm not bringing in as much, but still feeling like I am bringing value. And um, that was a hard adjustment for me and just like level setting my expectations of every single day. Like what, it, like what can I do today? What can be good enough for, for me in that career moment? And what do I need to just adjust my expectations for on not trying to put too much pressure on myself in any one place, I think is is really big with motherhood. I love that. Yeah, I agree with you. I wrote an article, um, it was a while back and it was funny, one of my first articles that really resonated and it was this idea of refalance. And so I think that that mm. title or just balance, the word in general, can sometimes be like, it's impossible or it feels like this elusive state that some people achieve, but certainly not us, you know? And so yeah. I wrote about this idea of like, balance is a daily practice, right? We have to every day check in and say to ourselves, what do I need today? And a lot of like what you're saying, how do you kind of set those intentional times aside so that that's really like the priority is my kids during this next chunk of time. And then after that, it's really about me and how I can take care of myself. And then after that, it might be, you know, time with your spouse or just whatever it might be. And some days balance might look like I just have to take a shower today. Like, right? Like giving yourself permission that it's not going to look the exact same. And exactly what you're saying, that expectation of like how it's supposed to be, I think is what gets us into the most trouble, right? It's, you know, I'll work with parents who will say, you know, my child is having all these challenging behaviors and will be in public. And I know I'm being judged and and almost always what's happening is that we are setting this false expectation on ourselves that our kids are supposed to be calm, cooperative and perfect and when they're not it is like right. a direct assault of how we're parenting and then we feel the burden of that and then what turn happens is we end up either having reactive responses toward our kids or toward our partners or whatever the case is and we we're just in this stew of shame really. So yeah. it's just really about taking that time to check in and say like what do I need today and sometimes it is today I don't need to do very much. I can just tell that I'm needing to rest. Or today my whole day needs to just be about like hanging with the kids. Or today my whole day needs to be about being at peace that the kids are with somebody else and I'm doing what I need to do. Yes. I love that so much because I think as moms, as working professionals, we put so many expectations on ourselves. And what I have found throughout the years and throughout three kids and now almost a fourth is that 
most of my, most if not all of my most stressful times, particularly in relation to motherhood, have been my own expectations that I placed on myself that I didn't meet. Yeah. Whether it be, to your point, like my kid's behavior mm-hmm. or, you know, an expectation of the day that I didn't meet or, you know, there there's always something that like, if you're a high achiever, you have high expectations for yourself. And so if you don't meet those, you feel disappointed, you feel frustrated, you feel overwhelmed, and then you're more likely to like yell Mm -hmm. or, you know. And I have found that when I just take a step back and I alleviate some of the pressure from myself, I become a happier person, a better mom, a more patient person across the board, both to myself and to my kids. And, And my expectations are no longer like, up here, they're just more manageable. And some days that look, it, every day it looks different. It's just like figuring out the right balance for that day based on the context of the situation. For sure. I'm reading right now, I'm almost done with it. It's called On Our Best Behavior, The Seven Deadly Sins and the Price Women Pay to Be Good. It's by Elise Lunin, who's like one of my absolute favorite authors and podcasters. And long story short, she breaks it down into like the seven deadly sins. It's not really a religious book, but it just kind of shows how that thinking and that programming has really conditioned women throughout the years. And so sloth is one of Mm. them. And that's that idea of like our value is rooted in our productivity and how productive we deem ourselves to be. I do that so much. Right. Like the if and I was thinking about this, like if I take a day where I'm just being idle or I'm not really don't have a lot on my calendar, it kind of I struggle. Like I'm like, this is wasting yeah. time or, you know, I'm not doing enough. And it's because a lot of my own self-worth can sometimes be tethered to that idea of like, how much did I get done? How many check marks were put on my to-do list, you know? And yeah, so kind of totally. reframing that a little bit so that we're not you know, using this weird metric to determine, you know, how valuable or how good we're doing and sort of letting go of that a little bit. And I'd imagine as somebody who has a lot of creative pursuits, like you write, and you're a beautiful writer, by the way, like I feel like you you. need to know that because I I started off just reading your work before I even went into like the lifestyle piece. You have fantastic input on that too. But um, you're a really great writer. You're, and I can't wait, you know, to talk to you a little bit more about your book, but you really can communicate in a really genuine, way through your writing and I think that's awesome so when you so much yeah oh my gosh totally so when you are kind of pursuing different creative endeavors how does that feel because what I'm finding myself is as I'm in this sort of space that where I create something I don't really know how it's going to work or if it will land or if it won't it's hard because you don't know the outcome you know like how do you yeah Yeah. isn't that so hard so how do you sort of (laughs) reconcile or how do you work through that do you get better and better at it do you sort of build like creative muscle as you go Yeah. I mean, I think that as with anything creative focused, um, being patient with yourself and just, just doing it. Like we, there's that famous Teddy Roosevelt quote about being in the arena. Mm -hmm. And I'm like full heartedly, especially with creative endeavors, believe in being in the arena, like being in there and not, not looking from the outside and like critiquing all the work that you see, but just being in there and immersed and doing it and being like, you know, the one who's fighting and who's just trying and trying and trying. But, and and if you fail, you fail, but at least you are in there and you're doing it and you're learning. Mm -hmm. And I really believe in that mentality of like, if you have an idea, a creative pursuit, whether it's something that you monetize or not, Mm -hmm. just going forward, taking the step to have the idea and then being like, I'm going to pursue this. 
If it's not a skill I know, I'm going to learn it. If it is a skill I know, I'm going to practice it. I'm going to do it, do it, do it until I get better, better, better. And I would say that that like throughout my career, just being in a, a creative focused career with advertising and then being in digital marketing, that really helped me because I was able to learn tactical skill sets through photography and copywriting and what are the different types of copywriting? Like my background is in journalism from undergrad. Mm. So between that and then like writing for public relations minded things or advertising minded things, there's different styles of writing, but just doing it, living it, breathing it day in and day out, being in the arena, like helped me get better and learn. Likewise, starting the blog, I kind of had this itch for doing more lifestyle things while I was at the advertising Mm -hmm. agency. I was doing very like food focused things, but you know, I wanted to write more about like home and style. And so, and just even reflections on life. And so when I first started my blog, it was terrible. Mm. It was the worst. I'm like so embarrassed looking <laughs> back at some of my posts and being like, I can't believe I put that out there. But you know, you, I was in the arena. I was like showing up mm-hmm. and I was learning day after day. And then, you know, years later, it's kind of like you find your voice, you practice photography enough to know like what lighting works, what doesn't, what colors are you editing? Like, how is your editing process? Like, what works for your voice and your writing and when you're wearing different writing hats, whether it be from a digital marketing perspective for a brand or for myself as, as creating my own brand or now writing a book, like what are those different like mentalities and zones you have to get mm-hmm. into? Because I think especially when you're writing, it's a very individualized and creative process that's contextual for the self. Like for me, I cannot just sit down and bust out something in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like I have to like have my music on and my area around me, my visual area needs to be clean. I have to like write for an hour and get in the zone and then I'll find this like flow where I'm just like, mm-hmm. but I can't get there without my like little process. Yeah. And I've learned that over time, which honestly it's like both a help and a hindrance because on one on one hand, like I, I know what it takes to get into that zone. But on the other hand, if I don't have that setup, I think I can limit myself from like, oh, well, I don't have that time today to get into it. So I'm going to do something else. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that like anti-productivity can be a hindrance too. So anyway, that was just a long way of going yeah. about saying yeah. like, I think it's um, th- for the creative process, especially when you're kind of someone who like me, like is very fueled by ideas and wants to explore different ideas. It's A, just getting out there and trying and knowing that you're not going to be very good at first, but you're going to get better. And the only way to get better is to just show up and do mm-hmm. it. And also I think there's a level of courage that and and not being afraid to fail that you have to have because especially if you're showing up in a space that's public, you know, you, you just have to have just, it takes a lot of heart because there's always going to be a critic. There's always, you just have to like just show up and, be like unapologetically, this is who I am. This is how I'm showing up and it's okay to fail. And guess what? It's also okay to pivot, change your mind. Like Mm -hmm. all those things are okay, but at least you're showing up. Yeah. Gosh, I love that so much. And it resonates with me so much because it is true when, you know, when I first started, it was like terrifying to like write something, publish it, and then kind of just let it be and not really know if it's good or not good. And the way we sort of critique ourselves and police ourselves. I mean, I'm still sort of undoing a lot of that myself, but I will say that the process has been so incredibly fulfilling and I've learned so much about myself, about where a lot of those insidious fears are that are governing so much of my decisions and how I've really been able to work through that. And it's only been through the creative process. I think when we work in Mm. a 
nine to five or when we have some structure in our lives that feels predictable and safe, though we know after COVID certainly that nothing is really certain and predictable. But when we tell ourselves that, I think we can become very sort of, um, I don't know what the right word would be, but like we just go through the motions and we're just very aware of like what comes next, what's after that. And there isn't a lot of room for growing and learning and really seeing ourselves in these different lenses and and recognizing Mm -hmm. different things about ourselves. So that's probably what I've loved the most. And then the other piece of it too is like, you're right, you look back and you're like, what was I even thinking about when I wrote that article or whatever? Yeah, the cases. But then there is something gratifying about like looking back at the beginning and then going all the way to present and seeing that Mm -hmm. progression of like, for myself at least, like when I can see like an article that I really loved or that I wrote that you know, I was like, I wouldn't have been able to write that had I not written those first 10 really 100%. bad ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the only way out is through, right? That's like right. the only mm-hmm. way to that point where you get good is being bad at one That's point. Right. And like just not, I don't even want to say bad, being green, yes. being learning, you know, mm-hmm. fresh learning, starting off, like you, everyone's got to start somewhere. And especially if it's a newer endeavor, like that's been one of my biggest takeaways from it. And I, you know, I think there's also like, for me, one of the things I'm learning about the creative process is like, for me, structure is really helpful. Like I actually really thrived Mm -hmm. in like the nine to five creative world because the stability was helpful for me. The structure was helpful for me. And I did that while being a mother, while blogging. Mm. So I had a lot on my plate. So I was also in entrepreneurship while doing, you know, the nine to five thing. But I think for me that structure, the predictability of like these from nine to five, I'm here, you know, five to seven until my daughter goes to bed, I'm here. And then from seven to nine, I'm here. Mm -hmm. Did that leave a lot of room for like personal balance? No, (laughs) which is what I think like being in entrepreneurship has helped me just find the personal balance as, as you know, I've had more kids and just life has changed. But I think the ability to juggle those hats and finding what that sweet spot is for you, whether it be the stability and then doing something as a side project or making that side project your thing and then maybe having something on the side that you have as more stability, like whatever that balance is. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think that's where the flexibility is really helpful. And I just just going back to your journey, I because we talked when you were first starting yeah. off mm-hmm. and it has been so cool to watch you in Aww. your journey and how you've grown and like Truly, it's been amazing to see and just even with the podcast and you're growing on social and Aww. you've written articles, like you've helped me so much with parenting from your content. And it's just really cool to like to use an analogy to like to watch like a flower blossom. Aww. Like you are just really <laughs> thriving in it. And I just have to applaud you because it's truly been so cool to watch you just grow and immerse yourself in the journey and how far you've come to. Thank you so much. That really means a lot. Um, and you were so kind to talk to me when I was like just, just about to start. And I was like, I don't even know if what I'm doing makes sense. Like there was so much kind of brewing in my head about like, don't do it. What are you thinking? You're fine. Just go to work every day and stop with this whole, yeah. you know, whatever it is that you're thinking about. And it is easy to talk yourself out of some of those things that make you feel vulnerable. Totally. But I do, I mean, I stand on 
the shoulders of people like you who really took me under your wing and gave me advice and spent time really generously and kindly walking me through like don't worry just try you know and just get in there and start working on it and see where it leads you so there was a little bit of a surrender that has to take place right in those creative processes but watching people like you it really and I still say this like I'm in awe of the fact that like you can have an idea a thought um, that hey I should try this and that you just give yourself that permission to do it right because we all know as mothers there's a thousand reasons to say no right you're Mm -hmm. pregnant with your fourth clearly you already do you don't have to even say more than that you're very busy right you have a full home you have a head's about to fall off that's right you have so much going on if you're anything like me I felt terrible when I was pregnant so like the fact that you still can say yes I have all of this but I matter my voice matters my ideas matter I think that's Mm -hmm. like such an important takeaway for so many women to really absorb right you know you're very welcome and it's very true and we need more of that right there's a lot of policing of each other where we'll kind of feel some envy or jealousy if somebody's out there and really doing fantastic work and really growing a following or an audience and you know we need to applaud that and celebrate that because every time you do that it opens a door for me to do that too instead of it being like a scarcity mindset so I think like for me we need each other in this process yes Yes, I'm such a believer in that. And I'm such a believer in just working together and helping people along the way. And also just leaning on people who are just not being afraid like you were to reach out and be like, hey, can I pick your brain? You know, mm-hmm. like you people, we can learn so much from each other. And I just don't believe in this whole like competitive women thing. It's like we all have our unique battles. We all have yeah. our unique stories. We are all, I am so fortunate to be in the position of exploring my book and entrepreneurship and being a mother at the same time, I know that that is a extremely privileged and blessed position. And like, I, but I also have a lot of experience with a lot of different types of journeys where I was the Mm full-time breadwinner whose head was about to fall off Mm -hmm. and like was trying to do all that too. Like, so I think just recognizing that we all have our unique journeys and can share those lessons learned and be, just be cheerleaders for one another. It helps all of us, yeah. you know, it's it's not a competition. It's the good of one is the good of the whole. I love that. I totally agree with you too. So with that, can we talk for a minute about social media? Yeah. Right. So yeah. you have a you know a great following. You're great on there, but I notice that you'll say sometimes like I'm taking breaks or I'm not going to come on yes. for a little while. So how do you kind of strike that balance, and where does that live in terms of like your everyday life as you're balancing like writing a book and different creative endeavors and freelance jobs you might be doing and then being a mom and a partner and all these other things where does social media sort of get in the way and where is it really helpful I'll say it gets in the way more than it's helpful (laughs) (laughs) um and I say that really believing in social media I believe in the good of it I believe in the creative outlet I think it's empowered so many women and just people in general to be entrepreneurs there is so much good in social media yeah I also, being at the forefront of social media, like literally meeting with Instagram, the team of Instagram helping to shape some of the first ads, like was on the ground level because of my role um, in the advertising agency and on client side. Um, I see, I really got to see firsthand 
how consuming it can be. Mm-hmm. And you're you're kind when you're when you're on social media and you're creating content for it, you're kind of always on trouble. You you know you create this piece of content, you put it live, and then it's kind of like okay, what's the next thing? What's the next mm-hmm. thing? What's the next thing? Mm-hmm. And it can be exhausting. Yeah. It can be exhausting to create content for. It can be exhausting to consume. Mm-hmm. And I do have a healthy. I love it. I don't want it necessarily to go away. Mm-hmm. I have a healthy skepticism of it mm-hmm. in terms of my daily life and interactions with it. And I think that's something that's developed over time. I used to, for example, share a lot of our daily lives and that included a lot of our kids and I had like some scary situations where like someone stole an image of my daughter. I had like things that like I was kind of the guinea pig learning throughout it all. Mm. Didn't think it was that big of a deal. Yeah. Like, And then all of a sudden something happens and you're like, oh, that I'm not comfortable with this. Mm-hmm. So it was like a lot of like, just learning as I went along and kind of like growing up, so to speak, in the era of social media and being on the brand side, but the personal brand side and also sharing my personal life, yeah. there was like, I saw it was such a double-edged sword. And so um, for me, I just learned to like really put strict boundaries around it. Like I don't, I have a personal account that's like only close friends and family that I'll share my kids on occasionally, but my public profile on Instagram, like I don't really, other than like maybe the occasional like back of my kids' heads or something, mm-hmm. I just don't really share them much because I'm just not comfortable with it anymore. And that's not to knock anyone no. who does. Mm-hmm. It's everyone has their own personal comfort zone. It just my comfort zone was not, I wanted to kind of like shield them from it a bit more. I also found that the more I had my phone out around my kids, the more distracted I was, the less patient I was as a mom. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was teaching them the right, like what's what to prioritize yeah. in your everyday attention span, mm-hmm. which me in front of my phone, interacting yeah. with them is not really interacting with them. Yeah. So I made it my personal challenge to like, when I'm with them, I try to really put down my phone and I'm with my kids a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> therefore I don't have my phone a lot. <laughs> And um, so I just, I've learned to really compartmentalize social media. Um, I look at it, especially like public accounts, I look at it as more of like marketing tools. Mm-hmm. And to me, that there's a healthy level of like being on and present and doing your best to create content and like growing your audience and being, you know, engaging and all those things. But also like, what are your personal boundaries? Like for me, it's turning off and I will definitely find myself like kind of getting caught up in it and then I have to be like okay I I'm gonna have a break and sometimes that break is for a day yeah and sometimes I'm loving that break so much like two weeks will go by mm. and I I will try I'm just like oh well I, I just try not to put too much pressure on it but I also try to like have a healthy mental balance with it because I I've just been a part of the personal unhealthiness of it yeah. and I personally like for my my sake, my mental health sake, my kids' sake, I found that it's better for me just to have that boundaries and balance. And it literally can I give myself permission for that to change by the day. Yeah. Like I just, you know, I I I'm pretty unapologetic about it. And so um I don't know, that's my perspective. And no, I love it. May not be for everyone, but yeah. well, <laughs> no, I think everyone's gotta find their way, right? And certainly I think we're all yeah. having this conversation now of like, how much are we consuming? How much time are we spending on there? And so just it's funny because I never had social media. I'm 43 going on 44 and I didn't get it until I think I was 38 or 39. And honestly, I think it okay. was like right pre-pandemic cuz like I just started to dabble in it. And I think it was because I started to write and I was like, well, if I want to write and I want to share articles and I want to have an audience, I think I have to grow an audience. Like I think I'm supposed to find people. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what prompted me to do it. And it's been interesting to take it in as a an adult who is 
kind of comfortable in my own skin at this point, has lived enough years of experience that I'm not like tethered to it or really like I don't put a lot of weight in what's happening, you know, in terms of likes and follows and things like that. But I can see how insidious it is if you really lose any sense of like, if your whole self and identity starts to be wrapped in like who you are oh, on social yeah. media, it can be so it's easy to do. Yes, it can be so consuming. So it's interesting. And like for the kid point, you're not alone. I've talked to a lot of people who are like, I just don't feel comfortable showing pictures of my kids. Yeah. And it is sort of this, I can see both arguments, right? And I can see both positions. Totally. So you got to just really do yeah. what's right for you and what feels best. You know, I'm at the advantage that my kids are older. So I just ask their permission. Mm. And if they want me to show them, they don't, you know, like my son, for instance, doesn't care at all. He's 20. My daughter's 17. She doesn't want me to. So like if I yeah. ever post her, there has been like a full permission. She's looked at the post. She's read every word before I put it up there and she's given it the green light and or she's helped me create it. So I'm mindful of yeah. the fact that they both have very different thoughts on their, you know, position on social media yeah. and what that means. And I have to be respectful of that too. But it is a really interesting time. You know, and it's funny, like a friend of mine said to me, I think like a year ago, you should start doing videos on TikTok. Because I really just like teaching on the different ideas of parenting, reframing different parenting concepts, trying to help Mm -hmm. parents with like just tangible tools or ways they can maybe shift and see things a little differently. And I wasn't really interested in like sharing a ton about myself. It's not that I'm not like I'm not hiding anything. I just don't have anything that cool to show. Like I'm really not doing very much every day. So she said, you should go on TikTok and just do videos. And I was like, oh my gosh, that just feels like I have to learn a whole new thing. My bandwidth isn't there right now. And so reluctantly, after a little bit, I did it. And I've loved it for part of the reason is yeah, that- you're great on thank TikTok. Thank you you're so much. You're one of my much. favorite follows on TikTok. I appreciate that. So the reason I like it is because I can just go on, teach. I don't have to make it pretty. Yes, there is no- less pressure. That's right. It's not edited. It isn't manicured into this perfectly beautiful reel that, you know, I'm just a talking head. And that's perfectly fine for me. And it's, yeah. it seems to be resonating and working. So it's just interesting yes. how each platform, even though I was very reluctant, now I'm very comfortable on TikTok because there isn't really this pressure to be like, and today I went here for breakfast and I'm totally. going here on vacation. Yeah. Like I don't have to- they don't care. You have like a strong niche. <laughs> right. So you can like go into that yeah. world and then you can step out and not think about it, which is really, it's powerful, yeah. especially with social media. That's been nice. And I think too, it's like, for me, it's been kind of trying to gauge like, I, for, so it's interesting because hearing you talk about the benefits of TikTok is one of the things I really struggle with with social. I really struggle with just showing up as I am yeah. and not like if it's an in-feed post, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, like my background is in advertising. So everything was like, professional buttoned up like you know it was that was how I learned to create content and that certainly has its value sure however the platforms have evolved and people want more messy people Mm -hmm. want you Mm -hmm. know they're just the quick hey how's it going like most influencers I follow are very much not necessarily like thinking of it in a buttoned up content perspective it's just like hey here's what I'm doing I'm sharing it blah 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 Whereas for me, I'm like, I have a really hard time putting on that hat for some reason. I, I'll come on stories and say, yes. you know, I'll be like, hey, blah, blah, blah. But even that for me, I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, like, what's the light? Like, I just, yeah. I can't get out of that mind frame <laughs> of like the advertising zone, right? Yeah. So um, I, I think it's just finding what your balance is yeah. and what platforms you feel comfortable on mm-hmm. and then leaning into that. Because the truth is like, there's so many and there will always be so many. Yeah. And the hard part about the platforms is they all come and go. Like, look at Vine. I know. You know, mm-hmm. and some get more popular, some get less. Some are more popular with certain generations, some are less. But you know, it's just like, you can, no matter 
what platform you're talking about with social media. It's a driver for content and it will resonate with certain people. It will not with others. And so you just have to find to your point, like what works for Mm -hmm. you and kind of learn along the way, you know, it's just, it's, it's funny because there's not a one size fits all certainly for any one person. No, I totally agree. I know I'm hope like my email list has grown so much since I started and it's been fantastic because I always tell people if you really want to be like in the circle and listening to the things I'm sharing, get on my email list because I share so much more in that context. Because to me, that feels more community-like. Yes. You've signed up for a reason. Certainly, maybe what I'm saying might be resonating. I share more in my newsletters. So I started a Substack, yeah. and we'll kind of see where that goes. But I'd almost like to get it to a point where I could just post videos there or do like open coaching sessions there. Yes. You know what I mean? And put it in some kind of a community where even observers and you know, consumers of the content feel safe enough to ask a question or, you know, so it's interesting, like all the different ways we can kind of think about how we want to grow it and shift and change it. So, but it's been a learning process. I think that's really smart too, because I think that's one of those avenues that you own, right? Like if, if TikTok went away tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you still own your email list. Yes. That's how I feel about my blog. Like I'll never get rid of my blog because no matter what social media platforms I'm leaning into at that moment or plugging and playing with, I own my content on my blog. I own the site. Yeah. Like that's, I think it's really smart to think of it as almost like a hub and not to put like too much digital marketing out there yes. into the conversation, but like a hub and spoke. Like if you think about it, like what's your hub? Mm-hmm. What do you, where's like the nuts and bolts of like the key benefits and value adds that you're providing for your audience and how can you drive people? There? Yes. Those are your spokes, right? So TikTok is your spoke. Mm-hmm. It's driving people to your email list. Yes. But you're you are driving your email list, you're growing it, and that's really, really where the heart and soul of your value is going to continue to grow in addition to social media. Sure. But that's kind of like it's what you own, right? Yeah. So that's like it's the most powerful I would Sure. Say. No, I totally agree with you. And like I said, there is a different trust with my email subscribers and a different type of disclosure that I and more comfortable sharing and doing. So it's been a real awesome process for sure. So with that, are you comfortable kind of sharing a little bit about your book or is it under wraps, surprise? Okay, we're both. No, yeah, yeah. I was telling you a little bit too that I'm about to start writing my book. And so- I know, that's so exciting. talking about the writing process and it's a whole, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on the writing process. Oh my God. You know, but tell us a little- It is a beast. It is a beast, (laughs) I know. And it's, you're alone a lot. And I think people just, there is a lot of um, sort of, I think, it looks so cool like oh I write a book or I'm a writer like somebody said to me like you're like Carrie Bradshaw I'm like I'm not like Carrie Bradshaw like <laughs> nothing about the writing process looks super glamorous yeah most is like your hair is like up in a bun and you're like ah. isolated in my room <laughs> a gremlin yes away, you know? exactly once in a while I push myself out to a coffee shop and I right. you know we might <laughs> get you're lucky exactly so yeah it's not quite that glamorous but it is a really interesting process in terms of like really um, doing that internal work that some of the things that we've been talking about. So tell me a little bit about your process. How are you even carving out time? Oh my God, I'm like not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying my best. That's basically what I can say about it. Yeah, so hard. Um, I, it's, okay. So we talked a little before we started recording about Elizabeth Gilbert, who I love. I adore Elizabeth Mm -hmm. Gilbert. And she has this book called Big Magic, which talks about ideas and how she believes that ideas are this living, breathing thing. And I feel like my 
book idea really came to me as a living, breathing idea. It was in the midst of COVID. I was like, I had quit my role, my full-time marketing role um, about a year and a half prior. And that was to dive into entrepreneurship. I was very focused on my blog and creative consulting. I was just kind of just doing those Mm -hmm. two. And then COVID hit and my son was born the first day of lockdown. Threw me through a whole loop. Like it was just such a wild time as it was for so many people. And I was home, full-time mothering, scared to go to even the playground Mm -hmm. with my children. And I was trying to juggle all these different hats, failing at everything. Mm. Like it was just so hard. And it was this really big realization for me of motherhood and how really how unsung mothers are as heroes. We are unsung heroes. Mm -hmm. The amount of work we do day in and day out, that's very much thankless. Most of the time you don't even notice that we're doing it because it's just the baseline. Mm -hmm. Like It was just this huge eye-opening moment for me. And I was kind of in that zone for a long time because I had a newborn at home. We didn't know how COVID would affect newborns. Our doctor's direction was like, you are in lockdown. Mm -hmm. So for three months, we saw no one. I mean, I was totally isolated with my family. And then we kind of, we would just see like just close Mm -hmm. friends and family. But that like world of piecing it together, hybrid learning, digital learning, like it was just so hard to juggle a family, two toddlers, one who was starting kindergarten, a newborn. It was just so much for like two years. It was in this weird gray zone. Mm -hmm. Long story short, this idea came to me that was basically the idea is about a superhero. Mm -hmm. And there's a girl who becomes a superhuman. She has superhuman abilities. And um, but the story is from her mother's perspective. And so it's a fiction, women's fiction novel. And I really believe in the idea. I believe in the themes I'm exploring. It's been so much fun to write. It's evolved as I've written. I will say it's been the most intense and hardest creative process I've ever been through. I thought I would start this book. I started it in um, 2021, early 2021. And then actually it was more, I I kind of put the idea to kind of together. I was, I started reading books about like the the craft of writing and how to write a novel and started doing my research. And then I would say it was seriously started to explore writing the book mid 2021. And I've been working on it ever since. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would be able to write it in like three months. It's now been <laughs> it's now 2023. And I'm still in the thick of it. But what I didn't realize that was so vital as a part of the process is a to the point of what we were talking about earlier, where like you're in the arena, and sometimes you're just starting as green, and you just got to go after it. I didn't know how to write a book. Yeah, I had done all these different writing ventures. I had written long form white papers for brands. I had written short form copywriting, I'd written blog, like all these different types of content I had written and felt like I was a professional and very good at, but I had never written a book and a fiction book at that. And so, you know, how do you develop a character? Mm -hmm. How do you establish world building? What is a proper story structure? How do you ensure that dialogue is coming across properly? And how do you ensure it's good dialogue and meaningful and driving the story forward? And you know, there's so many elements to writing a book. Mm-hmm. And so um, I feel like in many ways, it's taking two steps forward, three steps back. And then when you, the project in and of itself is very much like that. But then when you also add on motherhood and trying to piece together like, yeah. mm-hmm. some of these creative consulting clients and the blog where I can't, it's just like, it's been a lot of hats to juggle. And what I've really learned about the process for me is again, just patience and like, maybe it won't be in my timeline. Like I didn't finish it in three months. I'm still working on it now. 
I my goal is to finish it. Yeah. I don't know when that'll be. I hope it's sooner rather than later. I'm making good progress. Is yeah. it good? Who the heck knows? I might be I'm the only sure one who reads my good. own book. <laughs> but um, my my goal is just to finish it and yeah. to have it be good. I would really love for it to be a great book. Yeah. But um, I think also like I've also read with just through following other writers and just through learning more about the process that like, excuse my language, but a shitty first draft mm-hmm. is better than yes. no first draft at all. And I've had to really remember that because I've tried to like, I've noticed myself getting into these rabbit holes of like, okay, I like, I need to perfect this one scene before I move on to the next. Mm -hmm. And I'll work on it for like a week. And like 5,000 words in, I'm like, I have to just move forward. Like I can't keep ruminating on this one dialogue section. And you know, it's just, I, I think it's, it's a process where I'm learning that like, again, like done is better than perfect just finishing it is super important because it's going to change in the editing process yes. anyway. And I'm learning as I go. So it's, I probably will have an actual shitty first draft, but hopefully <laughs> through editing and beta readers and yeah. going through the process, like it'll get better and better until my final result will be good. Hopefully. Yes. Right. That's the goal. For sure. No, I love that. And I think you're, I completely agree with you and that you have to get through that. It's the same thing we were talking about earlier, right? Like you have to do the bad stuff so you can get to the good stuff, right? I know Seth Godin always talks a lot about that too. Like just ship the work and then you're going to get better and better at like putting something out there, getting it out there, and then looking at it and going, where can it get better? Where can I improve? But if you're not going to do those steps and you're not going to kind of walk through that process, you're just going to stay stuck, right? Most of the time. So I know. So it can be definitely an arduous process, but I'm excited. So you're going to have to come back when the book comes out and we'll talk more about what that process, kind of how it finished and what it went through. But I'm excited for you because I think there is something exciting about putting a fiction story all together. Like we were talking a little bit about this because my book will be nonfiction. Maybe one day I will write a fiction book, but I don't know for right now, nonfiction sounds like already more than enough. But I think, (laughs) you know, when you're in a fictional writing state, I think there has to be some sense of like, allowing those ideas to come and evolve and not really mm-hmm. constantly controlling it, but just kind of wondering like that feels right. This doesn't feel right. That There's a lot of intuitiveness to it, I think. So yes. I think that process is probably pretty fun. I'd be very curious about it for sure. Yeah. Well, and it's also like to your point about the evolution of it, like I, it's, it has changed so much. Like the nuts and bolts of the premise are, are the same since when it first started, but the story itself has changed. The characters have changed. Like almost every single element about the story has changed besides like the general premise. Like, (laughs) and so I think it's giving yourself that flexibility to like maneuver and, and pivot as different ideas come to you or as you explore one idea and it eh, doesn't really, it didn't work out how you thought. And so for me, there's been a lot of writing Mm -hmm. that I've have retracted. Like it's in, I would never like throw it away, but I have a, draft folder (laughs) of scenes that are like (laughs) it's like so long and it's like that's okay because those will probably never see the light of day but they helped me get to a better place of the next scene that hopefully will work so yeah it's just kind of like allowing that process to naturally evolve and unfold and yeah and grow how it's supposed to. I love that. No, it's so good. All right. So one final question that I always like to ask is what do you hope in 20 years that your kids know about you? Like outside of just being a a mom, like what do you want them to really know about who you are? Oh my God. That's such a good question. I hope they know that I, I want them to know that I tried to be brave. Yeah. I want them to know that I really put my best foot forward in believing in myself and believing in them, even when answers weren't clear 
and that in life I just tried to to be brave in whatever those endeavors may be, whether it be motherhood or personal um, endeavors. I just uh, I I believe in getting out there and doing it and trying, and I hope they do the same in life. Oh, I love that. And what an important lesson. And we need more brave moms, right? We need our daughters to see it's okay. We need our sons to cheer brave women on. And so um, I love that. I think that's a perfect answer, Emily. So thank you so much for being here. You're definitely going to come back when the book comes out. And yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Five years. (laughs) Hopefully it'll be in a few months. Oh my goodness. Yes. It will be sooner than five years. We'll put that out there. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. I'm right there with you. The process does take long and especially if you move into like depending on how it gets published that can be a whole other set of years oh my god that's like a beast I haven't even I mean I've done a lot of exploration and like what are the next steps after I have my manuscript done but like that is a whole other area that I'm just like I gotta just yes I gotta keep my blinders on and just like (laughs) just one step at a time right yeah yeah yeah, exactly okay Emily this is so wonderful talking with you I could talk to you forever and Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Well, until next time. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening right now. And what really makes my day is if you share or recommend the podcast to a friend. It is the greatest compliment. If you have not already, head on over to theparentingreframe.com where you can subscribe to get my weekly newsletter, Parenting Skimmed. 10 sentences delivered to your inbox every Thursday to help you parent and live a better life. It's for the parent who constantly told me, I just don't have time to read. Make sure to come and say hi to me on Instagram at theparentingreframe. My DMs are always open and I love hearing from you. Until next time, this is Albiona. Albiona.